0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is Our Reluctant Historian.
1: I fucking told you so.
0: Told me what? Do you
1: know what I told you? No. I told you that it was a 7.5 last week.
0: Yes. <laughs> 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 you've been waiting. I've
1: been waiting on this one, and just for that, I'm lowering you to a six point five on that episode.
0: A six point five. So a six point
1: five. Yes, so you're you're been you've been demoted.
0: Which one? The the babies.
1: The So So was a seven point five. Took it to six point five. Yeah.
0: But the vampires can stay in eight point five.
1: Well, I, I gave you a pity eight point nine, but. Uh, uh, You know what? I'll bump it up uh, from the 8.5 that it actually got. I think I'll go with an 8.7, because I really did enjoy that. Okay.
0: On this podcast... Oh, sorry.
1: I'm Dakota Lawson.
0: On this podcast, I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So, if you love history...
1: Or you absolutely hate it...
0: This podcast is for you. All right, Dakota. On today's shorty episode, we are going to be talking about the history of... The Dancing Plague of 1518. Footloose! (laughs) (laughs) No, not Footloose. No? No. But, like, close, I guess.
1: Okay, well, I mean, I I would have preferred Footloose, but Dancing Plague, you say? Yes. Well, color me intrigued.
0: All right. So sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of The Dancing Plague of 1518. begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. All right, Dakota. New news! (laughs) New news! Yes, it's my turn. And we are recording this on the day of which Justin Trudeau has called an election for Canada. That is my new news. We have an election happening on September... Twentieth, We will be going to the polls again in this, the most expensive election in Canadian history, all because Justin Trudeau is an egomaniac and wants to consolidate his power.
1: He's a butt face.
0: A butt face, if you will. So we're going into the fourth wave of our pandemic.
1: And he thought, ah, right now, now's the time to do it.
0: Right. And it's going to cost... So they have to buy... This is the part that I thought was super interesting. They have to buy these single-use pencils. So... Oh, really? Yeah. So when you Aww. usually have to put in... Like, you, you, you put your little vote in, right? And then yeah. you give the pencil back and whatever. So they're investing, I think it's like $3.6 million into these single-use pencils. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, don't call an election. Just yeah. wait.
1: Just, just wait. Just like, wait. Like, we're... We're...
0: we're you know're we're,
1: we're getting there. we're getting to the point where it's a you know like Saskatchewan where're we from is is open up right now it's we're in our fourth wave right now, but it's like it's it's gonna it's gonna be better soonish I hope and and then they decide to call an election which is going to potentially make things worse.
0: Well, and I'm, I'm mostly upset because, you know, we actually have one of the best, uh, the world's best vaccination track records. So like, we're actually doing pretty good about that. But what I'm really upset about is the fact that you're wasting, like he's already spent more money dealing with COVID. Like we have spent, had to borrow so much money, Canada has in order to, and and it's good. I'm glad that we have CERB and all these sorts of things. And I understand that we are in a pandemic, but he has been borrowing in record amounts. And then you're going to put this exorbitant amount for an election on top of it that isn't necessary. Yeah. Like, Canada's not made of money, Justin Trudeau. Mm -hmm. And two-thirds of all Canadians do not even want to go to the polls.
1: Yeah. So, I really hope that this backfires on him and that he, uh, fucking loses.
0: (laughs) Well, as long as a conservative majority doesn't get in. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm just, like, gobsmacked.
1: I... uh... I am also gobsmacked. <laughs> yes,
0: because so, that's the word we're using. Canadian friends, September twentieth. It's your chance to vote. Have your voice heard. Um, personally, I would love it if you voted NDP. But also, you should just go out and vote anyways. You, you
1: socialist fuck. That's <laughs> what the this is. I'm being the the audience again. Thank you. you oh, I thought you were a a liberal fuck. Turns out you're a socialist it's fuck.
0: It's true but it, but in reality like if you vote conservative if you vote liberal if you vote green if you vote Call N- me. NDP just as long as you're voting that's i think the most important thing we have really low voter turnout here in Canada and i think it's more important that we are all getting out there and having our voices heard rather than just being apathetic because your voice does make a difference and it's really important for you to exercise those voting rights because you know we make a lot of decisions based on who goes out there and votes and stuff so just you know what just go out vote vote NDP but if that's not who you want to vote for vote for somebody else but just please vote
1: yeah and if you're uh, like I was and uh, you're a single person and uh, you didn't vote until the age of 27 or 28 uh I think 27 mm-hmm. y- you know just uh just do what I did and just get married <laughs> to someone who cares about this stuff and then all of a sudden you'll start caring too and you'll go and vote too yes so okay. that's the key to Voting.
0: But in reality, I think maybe you could speak a little bit to the anxiety that you felt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just, uh, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I felt uh, this, a lot of pressure of like, just like, well, one, not knowing anything uh, was a big thing. So, yeah, I think what I would recommend is because I mean, politics can be fucking boring, and I still agree with that, but I think talking to someone that you actually enjoy talking to that uh, that you enjoy engaging with rather than just listening to npr <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's american
1: <laughs> oh well whatever that sounded like a boring news thing so uh but also then there's uh mail-in votes right you're yep. looking into that for this one hey. Yeah. so if you're nervous about going to the polls like i was uh, mail-in mm-hmm. is is a totally valid option, and that's probably what we're going to hopefully be doing. Yeah, so. I
0: think it's smarter on our point and yeah. our parts to not go out and I don't know, infect people.
1: Yeah, so on September 20th, I'll see you at the polls.
0: So Coda, what's your golden nugget?
1: So we were wondering what we were going to do for supper tonight and then uh, a blessing in disguise, not in disguise, just a blessing, I guess, uh came upon us, which was that my mom called us and was like, Hey, you want to go for supper? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> Cause then we don't have to pay for supper <laughs> <laughs> or cook it. <laughs> yeah, we're cooking. And also seeing them is cool too. They're cool. Um, so yeah, we went and of course, of course, they, they chose the place, uh, they, they often do, do Jasmine's, which is, isn't our, our right place, but it was, you know, very, very them. And then it was closed on a Sunday. So <laughs> where did they pick? Denny's. Let's go to Denny's. Uh and so yeah, we went to Denny's and it was actually quite good. But oh, it was good to uh, see them. but yeah, I just uh, I just think it's funny that uh you know as as you get to be old fucks you <laughs> you're just uh, stuck in your uh where you want to go. Uh my mom listens to this all also. So um, love you mommy, don't be mad at me.
0: <laughs> I can punch him for you if you want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay what was your what's your golden nugget
0: um yeah so we finished up that back area yeah of our house we had this like weird the people who used to live here had it for their rv and they would park their rv behind the garage but we don't have an rv so it's just like been this random empty space that's about it's about 17 feet by 19 feet and i know that because i measured it um and we like had weeds everywhere we would put the garbage back there before we would take it to the dump and it was just like half full of gravel half full of grass so um we have cleaned it up and put a little fire pit in there and got some gravel to go inside and it's just like really nice so we have this whole new usable space that we never had before and so we can have like a wood burning fire now which I'm really excited for. So that's that's my golden nugget. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I think we did a great job. We did.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> all right, Dakota. So I would like to hear your prediction about what you think this uh dancing plague of 1518 is all about.
1: 1518? Yes. I'm trying to picture how they talked in 1518 and uh the only my old timey voice is, is the same for, doesn't matter what time period. 1518, 1818, 1918, 18, doesn't matter. 2018. <laughs> you know, I'm always gonna talk like this. Ah, we're old timey folk. Ah, those dances over there in, uh, in Cleveland, they be, they be putting up a jig. I don't like jigs done. So then they go over there and they kill them all.
0: That's the dancing plague of 1518?
1: Oh, plague i was thinking massacre
0: (laughs) (laughs) those are two different things (laughs)
1: um uh okay so uh scratch that okay so they're in cleveland (laughs) i don't know why they're in cleveland which didn't
0: exist in 1518 the way that we know it now shut
1: your goddamn mouth so (laughs) they're in cleveland and uh there's a virus similar to covid except it makes you dance a lot, okay? And uh oh, I'm a I'm a regular Clevelandite, they would say. And and then they uh, all of a sudden they, they get the virus and they're like, "Oh, I want to I want I all of a sudden want to do a jig." But I don't like jigs. It's against the law, much like in that future movie Footloose. Ooh. And then they start giving an old jig. And I'd dance for you right now, but it would probably mess up with the mic and stuff like that. So, uh anyways, I really hope that's what it is.
0: Well. So <laughs> You're like,
1: "Well, a story begins in Cleveland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, actually, so you're very close. Yeah, the title. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm a prophet. Prophet? The,
0: the, the title of this episode is basically, or basically exactly what it suggests. It was a plague of people who couldn't stop dancing. <gasps> Cha-cha-cha.
1: They're like, the the rhythm, it's got me too <laughs> good, officer. Yeah, stop dancing, you uh, cotton swag. What? I don't know. I'm trying to think of uh, um, old insults. I was I was going to say commie because I called you a commie earlier, but I was like, nah, this doesn't fit.
0: Mm, that's fair. So the dancing plague, or sometimes referred to as the dancing epidemic of 1518, was a case of dancing mania, meaning that the people literally could not stop dancing, no matter how many people tried to get them to stop. It occurred in Strasbourg, Alsace, which is modern day France in the Holy Roman Empire, and it started from July 1518, and it went to September 1518, so about two-ish months.
1: Okay. Did a really good song come out that time period?
0: <laughs> no. Because,
1: baby, you're a firework. Ah, oh, this is a hot jig!
0: <laughs> During this time, somewhere between 50 to 400 people, depending on the source, began dancing in the streets of Strasbourg, and they wouldn't stop until they collapsed from exhaustion. What? <laughs> Similar dancing manias were recorded in Switzerland, Germany, and in Holland. Though isn't that weird? Beer?
1: Weird? I'm quoting Austin Powers Three. Yep. Isn't that weird?
0: Yes. Though these were not as large nor as deadly as the one that took place in Strasbourg. The hysteria of this event began when a woman named Frau Trophia, and Frau in German means Mrs. or Madam, um, so like Mrs. Trophia. She stepped out into the middle. of the Ah, sh- so
1: she was a trophy wife. <laughs> but a ch-
0: she stepped out into the middle of the street and began to silently twist, twirl, and shake without musical accompaniment. Onlookers apparently laughed and clapped at her energy and love of life. However, it soon became clear that this was not a simple case of high spirits.
1: Because she was crying the whole time. I can't stop!
0: I can't stop! As Frau Trophia (laughs) continued to dance and dance every day until muscles twitching and full of sweat, she collapsed and slept for a few hours before waking and starting her bizarre dance all over again. Her shoes were soaked with blood and she was exhausted. Oh, oh my god, really? Yes. But there was no rest for her weary body and it's recorded that she danced for 6 solid days.
1: So this was the devil, right? <laughs> like <laughs> but like like cuz like this is more than just like ah that new Tanya Tucker song is a real banger.
0: A little bit more than just the new Tanya Tucker song. Also,
1: that was a that was a jab. Uh, sorry all you Tanya Tucker fans, I was also, that's an, that's an old joke.
0: My dad likes Tanya Tucker.
1: That doesn't surprise me, <laughs> he likes old music. <laughs> Anyways, um, this sounds more than just like liking a song and just really like having a dance, this sounds some sort, sort of otherworldly shit.
0: Absolutely. Before long, approximately three dozen other Strasbourgians,
1: Strasbourgians!
0: Strasbourg, yep, had joined in, and would dance long past the point of injury. By August, the dancing epidemic had claimed as many as 400 victims, all dancing without stopping. Historian John Waller stated that a marathon runner could not have lasted the intense workout these men and women did by dancing for days on end, hundreds of years ago, and many dancers collapsed from sheer exhaustion.
1: They just got massive calves after this? Yes.
0: (laughs) However, those that collapsed were the lucky ones. Some even died from strokes and heart attacks. Whoa. One report indicates that for a time, the plague killed around 15 people per day. But mm-hmm. So this might sound a little bit wild and maybe made up, but historical documents including physician notes, cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles, and event notes issued by the Strasbourg City Council are all clear that it did actually occur. Historical sources all agree that there was an outbreak of dancing after Frau Trophia began her danceathon, followed by a group of mostly young women, but it would not die down and attracted the attention of the Strasbourg magistrate and bishop.
1: Wait, it's a curse. It's a curse. She was cursed. That's what started this.
0: And eventually a number of doctors... Yeah, let's
1: just move on from what I ju- I mean, I'm just talking about a curse over here, and you're like, ah, oh, it's not a curse. Continue.
0: <laughs> and eventually a number of doctors attempted to intervene by putting the afflicted in the hospital. The physicians blamed the plague on hot blood and suggested they're, that...
1: They're just hot-blooded. Check it and see. i
0: <laughs> <laughs> got a fever of 103. <laughs> um, yeah, then they suggested that the cure to the dancing was... More dancing.
1: Oh, I've got it. <laughs> this reminds me of the uh, Saturday Night Live uh, um, sketch. I've got a fever, and the only cure: more cowbell.
0: That's exactly it. The hope was that with this cure, eventually the dancers would tire themselves out and just stop. The city council constructed a stage and hired professional dancers and musicians in order to encourage those afflicted to keep on keeping on.
1: <laughs> That's what they they said. Just uh, uh just keep on keeping on um keep calm and carry on
0: however this cure of more dancing really only led to the exacerbation of the plague and more and more people fell into the dancing fever because even just looking at the dancers could cause a person to become afflicted with dancing
1: definitely a curse
0: (laughs) a poem in the city archives explains what happened next in their madness people kept up their dancing until they fell unconscious and many died it's not a very good poem (sighs) wait say that poem again in their madness, people kept up their dancing until they fell unconscious and many died.
1: That's just a sentence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like probably in like the language in which yeah. it was originally written, it probably rhymed
1: okay, like or who, something. Like who wrote that poem? Me? Yeah, probably. Like, fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the city council realized that they had made a mistake and decided that the dancers were not actually suffering from hot blood, but rather the wrath of God they opted for a period of enforced penance and banned music and dancing in public. This. <laughs> Finally, the dancing plague was ended when the city council decided to whisk the dancers away to the shrine in the mountains dedicated to St. Vitus, the patron saint of dancers and entertainers. So his feast day was actually celebrated by dancing in front of his statue, so it made sense to the medieval physicians that he would be able to heal those infected by the dancing plague. Fun fact, he is also the patron saint of protection against lightning strikes, Animal attacks and oversleeping.
1: It's a it's a wide range of thing. Like imagine if you went to a doctor and they're like, "I can uh, do heart surgery, but I'm also a balloon twister." <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. do, uh, do you have any birthday parties coming up? I could perform that as well. You know, it's like that's weird.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Here in the musty grotto in the hills above the nearby town of Severn, the dancer's bloody feet were placed into red shoes and they were led around a wooden figure of the saint in the following weeks most dancers ceased their wild movements and the epidemic came to an end
1: Wait, so it just ended it ap- just ended like
0: so they took them up to this statue and they were like walk around it and then and then it, it ended yeah they stopped Whoa, dancing
1: the curse has been lifted was this trophy wife was she wearing uh, any sort of jewelry or anything like that that could have held the curse
0: <laughs> i don't know
1: I'm convinced it's a curse. Okay. Um, so, uh, carry on. I mean, this, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around how this happened other than curse, obviously, is what happened, but.
0: So what exactly did cause this strange dancing plague of 1518?
1: Curse. Okay, we'll see you next week.
0: There are a number of theories that have been suggested, uh, with contemporary explanations, including demonic possession and overheated blood. So that's what the people were thinking at the time. Mm. Paracelsus?
1: I'm sorry, I'm just thinking like, just like, I, if somebody makes me really mad, I'm just like, oh, you make my blood boil, and then I start doing the, like, an Irish dance or something <laughs> like that. Like, God, oh, I just gotta get it out of my system.
0: I'm so mad. Yeah. Paracelsus, a physician and alchemist who lived in Strasbourg, wrote about this case in 1526, so a couple of years later. He's an alchemist? Yes.
1: So he's a witch.
0: And had his own opinion about what had happened. According to Paracelsus, Frau Trofia's husband absolutely hated it when she would dance, so he and a few other townspeople cursed her. <laughs> thought that
1: Trophia <laughs> I'm not letting this one go.
0: <laughs> thought that Trufia took to the streets dancing as a way to annoy her husband. And so, just so you know, if you ever piss me off, I'm just going to dance.
1: <laughs> no, not in public. You're embarrassing me, dear. Stop it.
0: <laughs> Paracelsus then broke down the sickness into three causes. First, it was born out of imagination. Second, people may have joined the dance because of sexual frustration. And <laughs> I'm
1: so sexually frustrated, I'm just going to get jigging until my feet bleed.
0: Finally, there may have been bodily causes for some of the people who exhibited uncontrollable dancing. So essentially he's saying that people are dancing because one, they just feel like it. Two, they're horny and <laughs> dancing makes them feel good. And three, their bodies were forcing them to do this. Ultimately... Paracelsus felt that those unhappy wives were the main cause of the dancing plague. So that was what they, this guy. In the so it seems
1: like a very, uh I could see that being a common belief in uh, 1518. <laughs> Women, am I right? Very misogynistic, you're yeah. correct.
0: Um, but yeah, so that's what they were thinking at that time period. So, however, investigators of the 20th century have come up with a few more scientific reasons for why this epidemic occurred. Hmm. The first modern theory is that the people of Strasbourg had food poisoning. The ergot fungus, which is a fungus that grows commonly in rye and other grains used for baking bread, can produce toxic and psychoactive results in those who consume it. The chemical it creates produces a chemical reaction similar to those who are on LSD. Mm. It can induce terrifying hallucinations and violent twitching. And uh, actually consumption of ergot is also a theory to explain the Salem witch trials. So one theory is that they ate this poisoned fungus and they all had the same hallucination and they all danced for two months straight. All these people? Yeah. Same fungus? Yeah. So you're on the same idea as John Waller. Uh, He says that this theory does not seem tenable since it is unlikely that those poisoned by ergot would have danced for days at a time. Nor would so many people have reacted to its psychotropic chemicals all in the exact same way.
1: Or ate the exact same
0: thing. Right. Another theory put forward by American sociologist Robert Baltholomew. Guess that the dancers were adherents of heretical sects, and dancing was a way to attract divine favor. However, it was clear to those who were watching that those afflicted did not want to be dancing. So that theory doesn't
1: really work. <laughs> was it was it uh, the bleeding feet or the them screaming, it hurts, please make it stop?
0: The most credible explanation is that the people of Strasbourg were victims of a mass psychogenic illness, what used to be known as mass hysteria. As I stated before, there had been other outbreaks of the dancing in preceding centuries, involving hundreds or just a few people, but all in towns and cities close to the Rhine River, which is also near Strasbourg. Along with the merchants, pilgrims, and soldiers who traveled these waters, news and beliefs traveled too. One particular idea that appears to have lodged itself in the cultural consciousness of the region is that St. Vitus, so that same guy we heard about where they went and walked around his statue, could punish sinners by making them dance. Hmm. So essentially... Such beliefs in supernatural agency can have dramatic effects on communities, and this has been written about extensively. Um, for communities that believe in spirits or saints or demons that can cause a person to behave in a certain way, it primes them, primes their brain, to enter into a dissociative mental state where their normal conscious way of experiencing the world is disabled. People then act according to culturally prescribed ideas of how the possessed should behave. This has been written about in European convents, where nuns would writhe, convulse, foam at the mouth, make obscene gestures, and meow like cats. <laughs> the behavior may seem strange, but these nuns lived in communities where they were encouraged to obsess about sin and were steeped in mystical supernaturalism.
1: I'm obsessed with sin.
0: <laughs> Those who became convinced that demons had entered their bodies were prone to fall into disassociative states, and in such cases, the possession trance would also spread to witnesses who shared the same theological fears. So this brings us to Strasbourg and the curse of Saint Vitus. The chronicles agree that most people were quick to assume that an enraged Saint Vitus had caused the affliction. So like you said, a curse. Although from a saint rather than just some random jewelry piece.
1: So I was fucking right.
0: No, because it wasn't actually a curse. It's just that they like believed that. And so, um, and so do I. So- So all it took was a few of the devout and emotionally frail to believe that St. Vitus had them in his sights and they were then able to enter into a trance-like state in which they felt compelled to dance for days on end.
1: St. Vitus, more like St. Dickus.
0: The council's decision to put the dancers on stage allowed even more townspeople to experience the event, thus triggering more and more dancers. The visibility of the dancers ensured that others were susceptible to become one of them as their minds dwelt on their own sins And the possibility that they might be next. Life in Strasbourg was hard and droughts and famine riddled the area. This as well can help to cause an outbreak of psychogenic illness. Plenty of distress can bring about a heightened level of suggestibility. Social and religious conflicts, terrifying new disease, harvest failure, and spiking wheat prices cause widespread misery. So like 2021. The year before, 1517, was described as, in just very simple terms, a bad year. (laughs) Yeah. The following summer. Just like
1: 2020. JK, JK, JK.
0: <laughs> The following summer, the time of our plague, the orphanages, hospitals, and shelters were overflowing with the down and out and desperate. These are ideal conditions for some of the cities most affected to believe that God was angry with them and that St. Vitus stalked their streets. <laughs> I'm gonna get ya. Yeah. I'm gonna get you. The dancing plague of 1518 was the last of its kind in Europe. In all likelihood, these outbreaks declined along with the decline in the belief systems that sustained them. In this way, the dancing mania underscores the power of the cultural context to shape the way in which psychological suffering is expressed. So, Dakota, what do you think?
1: I loved this. (laughs) We need more episodes like this.
0: I mean, they didn't happen all that much. I don't know no, where I can find
1: you no, more I just, dancing
0: like, plays. More
1: more like, I'm just talking weird shit. Oh, okay. You know, weird shit. That Not li- like
0: the real history that I'm passionate about, yeah, but fuck the that weirdo shit. history. Got I it. like
1: the weird shit like this where I can just yell curse for half an hour <laughs> and ca- and play it off as jokes, ah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I got a lot of mileage out of that joke. You really did. Yes. Yeah, so like, I think I said it like eight or nine, possibly 15 times. Yeah. So, thinking about my rating, I will give this a 9.6 <gasps> oh Trophy Wives out of 10.
0: <laughs> you mean 9.6 Trophy Wives. <gasps>
1: I said what I said.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> Don't you ever correct my joke again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from Apple, Spotify, or Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a review or tell your friends about us.
1: If you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at thereluctanthistorian.com. That's not right, the Reluctant Historian. Or if you want to shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted, you can email us at thereluctanthistorian at gmail.com.
0: So... We'll see you next week. Same time, same place.
1: And remember, if you're ever down in Cleveland, don't forget to get jiggy with it. Na 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 Will Smith, you know? Get getting jiggy with with Will Smith? I am you, okay, thank you. You didn't look like you knew what I was talking about. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next week.